What's up, everybody? I was feeling that. Wasn't that a kind of like cool, I, I, you know, I've been preaching all weekend, but it just kind of hit a little different at 1030. Uh, 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 uh. Feeling that. Oh, that did something to me. I like that. Praise God. How y'all doing? Oh, my goodness. I have missed y'all. Where y'all been? Y'all been here. That's right. I'm the one that's been missing. Everybody, I got an opportunity to uh, meet and greet so many of you guys uh, at 5 and, and all the way through to 1030, 9, 8 o'clock. Uh, so good to see so many familiar faces. I met some new faces. And uh, let me tell you, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Yeah. But good to be back. And speaking of home to the greatest pastor on the planet. Yeah. You know you're awesome. <laughs> I love him so much. Forever, my big brother. Hey, shout out to Jay Clark. What an amazing job he's been doing. We've been. That's right. Hey, I love uh, Kaya on the, on the thing was like, hey, see Josh, my man. All right. And Miriam's over there. I, I shout out Jay. She's like, that's right. That's my man. I love it. I love it so much. It's so great. Uh, my wife, Michelle, is here. Hopefully, you guys got an opportunity to greet her. I will embarrass her later in the sermon. I promise. Got to do that. And the Ramayo, of course, is here. So family's back in town. Uh, I hope to greet as many of you guys as possible before we got to run back home. My mother-in-law's birthday is today. Yeah. She might be watching this service. Mama! Happy birthday, girl, if you're watching. We love you from Wisconsin, girl. So we went to the Cubs game on Friday, and she had a ball, and we're going to take her to eat tonight, uh, this afternoon. And so hopefully I get to greet as many of you guys before we got to head back to Chicago. But uh, I'm excited to be here. I know a lot of you guys have been looking for some updates, some updates. What's been going on in Chicago? It's been 19 months. Does it seem like it's been 19 months since we've been together? 19 months. That's a long time. And so, everybody, first thing you need to know is, man, I can't believe it. For those of you who do not follow me on social media, I'm a grandfather. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I, we didn't know if we was ready for that assignment of being grandparents. You know, we still feel like we got some parenting and some young adulting to do, uh, but my daughter wanted to get married young like we got married young, and so you got grandparents, and so my grandson, many of you guys know, if you do not follow me on social media, is literally a living, breathing miracle. He was born one pound, eight ounces, yeah, and uh, this picture right here really shows uh, how serious it was when he showed up, um, but God is good through prayer and through, yeah, yeah. That little joker is in everything in my cabinets. That's what he does. And so, but my daughter, uh, she gave us Irish twins. And so not only do we have a grandson, that's Hollis Isaiah, but this is Gabby Jade. Oh my goodness. Listen, that baby ain't got a chance. I'm going to spoil her rotten. I can't wait. So I love what Dave says. She's so stinking cute. I love it. And so that's what's going on with us personally. That's update. But then ministerially wise, a ray of hope, everybody. We're still doing our mentoring program. 
You can see these are some of our boys that we mentor. We bring in lunch when we meet with them and we talk to them about what it means to be a responsible young man, what it means to be a responsible student. Yeah, I'm proud of these kids. And they look so cute on, on that thing, but don't let them fool you. I want to choke them little jokers sometimes. But we also are still doing our football camps. This is super random. It just so happens that we were just standing in front of this big old poster with my name on the back of it. I don't even know how that happened. I don't even know how that happened. But everybody, over this past summer, we got a chance to minister and share the gospel uh, with, uh, this is my favorite picture right here, about four to 500 inner city and rural middle school, high school, college boys, football players, and coaches, they got to hear the gospel uh, through our platform. It was an absolutely amazing summer. And uh, yeah, you can clap. It's okay. You can clap. It's okay. Yeah. God is good. That's him. And so we're doing our mentoring in our football camps. A new initiative that we started this past January was our leadership summits. We've been doing these leadership summits where we're tailor-making leadership summits to pull in leaders, middle school and high school leaders in the city with the hope of if we can get our leaders in the schools engaged, then maybe what can happen is we can see some transformation in our schools and in our community, which hopefully will translate to better behavior and better activity, more healthy activity in our city. So that's one thing that we're doing through our leadership summits with our urban youth. And then as far as the church is concerned, everybody, uh, we are are gathering monthly. We started in February. Once a month, we gather at one of the public high schools that we mentor at, right? And we have a men's gathering. Several of our men, a couple of you guys, even from Central, have come down to see us. But every first Sunday of the month, we gather at one of the schools that we mentor at is Leif Erickson on the west side. And the goal is to recapture the men indigenous to the community on the west side of the city. Those men who are disconnected from the church, who don't trust the church, who's been hurt by the church, right? We want those men to be captured and recommitted uh, to what it means to walk with Jesus. And hopefully if the Holy Spirit can get a hold of their heart, then hopefully he can also turn them back to their children and their baby mamas and their families, right? And if we can get the men back engaged and become the leaders that they were called to be, then maybe we can see transformation. Come on. Yeah. Maybe we can see transformation in our city, our communities, and hopefully that'll squelch some of this violence that we're seeing. And so hopefully you can get the vision of us trying to work inside out with this. So Central, I share all of that with you because you guys have been a very instrumental part of us being able to do this work through your prayers, through your, some of you guys' attendance, uh, through your financial support over the years, keeping us afloat during the pandemic and all of those things that you guys did. It really helped us to continue to be here. And we would really, really appreciate your continued prayers. I told Dave, once we get the thing going, we just need to just have Central just bombard our church down in Chicago, and we have a big old family reunion down there. That'll be awesome. My folks will be like, where, 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 my, where all these people come from? Like, you don't know. I got family all over the place. And so, everybody, I gave you a lot of stuff, and I want to hurry up and get you home today because Dave and I, we're going to go home and watch the Bears upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's coming. <laughs> And I definitely want to get you Green Bay Packer fans home so you can watch, you know, the New Orleans Saints beat you guys today. And so uh, we're going to get 
And so this series, everybody, if this is your first time or your first time in a long time, or if you're tuning in online and you are a regular member of Central Christian Church and you're not here, I want you to know I'm mad at you right now that you didn't come and see me and you knew I was coming. You know I wanted to see you, but we're glad you're tuning in in Jesus' name. All right, uh, everybody, I want to share with you, uh, we've been talking about uh, this amazing series called Straight Out of Context. I love this series. This is awesome. When Jake sent it to me, I got fired up because how many of you guys know that context is everything? In fact, I need you to say context is everything. Go. Yeah, just like the guy from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Anybody here from Minnesota? I got a few people. I have a few people at all the other services from Minnesota. I got, are you from Minnesota up there in the back? And you survived? You're still living? Because that's some different kind of cold up there in Minnesota. I thought it got cold in Wisconsin, but Minnesota, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm talking about this guy from Minnesota. He was like, man, I can't take this cold no more. I'm going to Florida. I'm bumping. I'm going down south. So he literally moved down south at the spur of the moment. His wife was away on a business trip, and he was like, listen, I don't want you to come back to Florida, I mean, to Minnesota when you get done. Come straight down to Florida. I got us set up down here. It's going to be awesome. And so he types the email to send her the information, and unfortunately for him, he must have mistyped her email because the email didn't go to his wife. It went to a little old lady, CJ, in Iowa. Yeah. Now, this lady in Iowa, she's a pastor's wife, and unfortunately for her, her husband had just died the day before. And so, of course, she's in mourning. She's sitting at her desk looking at email, and this email pops in from this dude from Minnesota, now living in Florida, and she reads the email, everybody, screams and faints. A family member's running into the room like, oh my God, what's going on? They see her passed out on the floor. They look at her inbox and they immediately recognize, oh my goodness, this is why mama passed out. I want you to hear uh, what this email said. The first line of the email said this. It said, my dearest darling, I just want to let you know that I have arrived safely. <laughs> Second line said, looking forward to you joining me tomorrow. Last line in the email said, signed, your loving husband, P.S. Sholey is hot down here. And so you understand, yeah, context is, is everything, right? Right? We got to have context, everybody. And everybody, unfortunately, when the details are left out, something that is supposed to have one meaning, when you miss what comes before or after it, can take on an entirely different understanding without those key pieces of information. And well-meaning, good-intentioned people, y'all, can find themselves totally off and outside of where they need to be simply because they took something straight out of context. Y'all such a good class. That's why I love 1030. Everybody, this can especially be important when we're trying to interpret Scripture, right? And so take, for instance, the passage that we're going to study today. One of the most popular and misunderstood passages in the entire Bible. I mean, everybody know this scripture. Your neighbors that don't go to church know this scripture. Your coworkers and your classmates who claim they don't even love God know this scripture. As a matter of fact, I've been telling Shannon all weekend, don't even put it up because I'm going to start quoting the scripture and I know everybody in this room and even online, you can finish this passage. What does it say? You'll finish it. I can do all things who strengthens me, right? Now everybody knows this scripture. 
And everybody, here's the deal. Now, a lot of people, I love it. I can do all things through him. We know him means Christ who strengthens me. There's a lot of people who think they know what this verse means. Many people think this verse means I can accomplish whatever I set my mind to. And so what happens is this verse has become that verse, right? That people do these amazingly miraculous, like mind-blowing stuff in the name of Jesus. Stuff like stand up for four days straight without sleep until the project gets completed or putting 700 pounds on a bench press, right? Or, or, or doing something crazy like this guy. Now, I love the passage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But, but the picture just confuses me a little bit. I don't know about y'all. Because I looked at that and I said, um, did Jesus ask you to do that? Was this a Jesus thing? I mean, look at this dude. He ain't got no parachute. He ain't got no rope. He ain't even got them things on the, on the feet that grab some stuff if you slip. I mean, I'm just like, okay. I mean, now that looked amazing. I love you, Elder. That looked amazing. But in my mind, I was thinking, okay, was that about Jesus? Or was that about you? And everybody, you've heard me say this, those who've been around me for years. Sometimes we read the Bible too fast. Right? And I see two challenges when we read a passage like this too quickly. Uh, the first one is, see, what happens is when we pull a passage out of, out of context, for so many people, even a passage like this, um, that says clearly, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe, folks, both inside the church and outside the church, when we read this passage too quickly, what we interpret that scripture to mean is, I can do all things that I want to do through Christ who strengthens me. And everybody, unfortunately, when we do that, do you notice where does the emphasis go? The emphasis is on what I can do in my own strength and in my own ability versus what Christ can do and wants to do through me. Are you seeing that? And so people, we've seen it. How many times have we seen it? We, folks build a multi-million dollar business. People press their bodies to the limits for hours in the weight room. Muscles on top of muscles, you know, neck muscles and forehead muscles, just ridiculous stuff. Trying to be the biggest and strongest person that they can be. I've seen it in my own world, athletes and coaches, right? Practicing all day, studying all night, don't even go home at night, but they spend the night at the practice facility, all in the great pursuit of being the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And the question still remains, everybody, who is that about? You build a multi-million dollar business, but you destroy, you cheat, and you abuse people on your way to get there. You look like the Hulk in your 20s, but you're dead by 50 because you put anything and everything in your body in order to get there. Yeah, you the GOAT. You a five-time, six-time, seven-time world champion, athlete, coach, winner on the court, but you're losing off the court and field because your wife is gone and you don't see your children anymore. You're on your second and your third marriage. Because at the end of the day, who was it all about? Jesus or you? Because sometimes everybody, even in the church, I think we forget. We forget that life is not about accomplishing our prize here on earth. It's about fulfilling our purpose while we're on our way to heaven. Yeah, yeah. 
And everybody, the real question is, what does this passage really mean? I told you I see two issues. The first issue is we misread these passages, placing the focus on us versus making sure the focus is squarely on him, right? That's the first challenge. But the second challenge I see is we miss the real meaning of a passage, everybody, when we omit, particularly in this case, what comes before Philippians 4.13. Give you a quick story about that. Uh, uh, I shared with you uh, our Irish twins, uh, my grandchildren. I want to give you, show you a picture of my wife, excuse me, my, my daughter. This is my daughter, my firstborn uh, daughter who gave me the Irish twins. This is my Jamari, and that's her husband, Hollis. Let me tell you, no father uh, had a better son-in-law. This guy is absolutely amazing. Everything I prayed for, so proud of him. And so my daughter, my first baby girl. Now, you know how daddies are. Look at, I, look at how daddy, daddies are with their daughters. We just spoil our girls because that's what we do because they are baby girls, right? And so my daughter, when she was a little one, had this big old head. Look at her. Look at it. Just big. <laughs> she was so cute, right? I mean, she reminded me of a miniature ba- a Betty Boop. Remember Betty Boop with the big head and the little body? Right, right. That, but she was my little cute little Betty Boop. I loved it. Baby, I know you might be watching this. Your head was big, though, back in the day. But I loved it. I loved it. You're so built. She was so adorable. And so what I would do is I would play this game with her where I'd pick her up and I'd kiss her little forehead real nice and hard. And her hair would kind of snap back and then it'll snap forward and I'd kiss it again and it'll snap back and she'd smile like this. And, she, and I would be playing ping pong with her head. Just it was awesome, right? And everybody, I trained her that when somebody kisses your forehead nice and hard, you snap it back. And it was our game. And because I trained her, I was prepared, you understand, to make sure that when her head came back, that I protected my lips in a way that I wouldn't get injured. And it was our thing. Now, unfortunately, my wife took my daughter and our son, who was a little bit older than her, she was pregnant with our third child, on a family reunion on her mother's side of the family. And this 75-year-old woman saw my little baby girl with her adorable big head, right? And she was like, oh, you so cute. And she grabs my daughter, everybody, and kisses her on the forehead nice and hard. And my baby's training kicked in. You understand? Uh, Her head went back. And when my wife tells me the story later on, it was epic. She was like, Ray, it was just like, you know, like one of those WWE professional wrestler headbutts. It was just like... She just blew this woman's mouth up. And so I wasn't able to make the family reunion. I think I was still playing football. I think I was playing for the Bears or the Colts or some, one of those two teams, right? And, 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 and so she's telling me this on the telephone, and she was not happy. She was like, uh, Ray, you have got to stop playing this game with Jamari, right? I thought, like, what's going on? What happened? She's like, Ray. She blew this woman's 75-year-old woman's mouth up. She headbutted her in the mouth. <laughs> and of course, as a responsible, mature, 20-something-year-old Christian, you know how I responded to that. I laughed like crazy. I thought it was the most hilarious thing I ever heard. She was like, Raymond, that was not funny. I was so embarrassed. It was awesome. She said the lady was so blown up and so caught off guard that she looked at my wife kind of like, and my wife was just kind of standing there like, 
horrified. And so she gives my daughter back to my wife. And my wife, you know, she, bless her heart, she was just kind of like. And I'm sure this woman walked away from that experience because, of course, she knew that this was the daughter of a professional football player. And so in her mind, she probably, because she didn't have the context, you understand, of what we were doing before that incident, she probably left that situation thinking, this is just professional athletes' kids. They're just awful people. You know, they're just, they're just very vindictive, terrible folks, right? But because she didn't have the context of what happened before, the training that went in before, right, she would, of course, be drawn to that conclusion. Now, hopefully, if she had known that situation before she did what she did, that would have put her in a position to be a little bit more understanding. Wouldn't have helped the grill very much, but at least she would have understood. You understand? And so, everybody, let's look at the verse that comes before Philippians 4.13 to see if we can get some better context of what Paul is saying here in this passage. He says in verse 10, he said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. Look at what he says. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have what? Learn to be what? Content. I love it. Whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him, and we know him means Christ, who gives me strength. Isn't it amazing how when we're privy to the first part of a conversation, how the passage takes on an entirely different meaning? Are y'all seeing this? It's a beautiful thing. What we see now, everybody, is this passage isn't about personal accomplishment. It's about godly contentment. In other words, it isn't about where I want to be in this life. It's about where he wants me to be in this life and being at peace with whatever that is. Oh, by the way, I've been talking about my family a little bit. My wife is here. Did I ever tell y'all how we met? We met in college. Let me show you a little picture of us back in the day. This is, well, them kids didn't know what we was getting into. We did not know what we was getting into something years ago. And uh, this is us today. This is us. I'm st- we're still hanging in there. Yeah, let me tell you, we met in college, and everybody, uh, at 19 years old, I saw her for the first time. She was invited to our church fellowship. I'm singing in the choir, and she's sitting out in the audience kind of where that young lady is with the white top on with her hand in her face. She's sitting right by where you are. Yeah, and, and, and I'd never seen her before, and I turned with my dude. I was like, dude, have you ever seen that girl before? He was like, no, and I said, well, we're going to keep it that way because that's mine right there, bro. I got to have that, right? When I saw her for the first time, it was literally like God. Had scales on my eyes. He was like, You are not going to see her until I'm ready for you to see her. And it was literally like he took his fingers, turned my head, dropped the scales from my eyes, and was like, Bam, look at that right there. And y'all remember them Tom Jerry commercials when the eyeballs pop out of here, like, Boop, 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 boop. It was kind of like that, right? And so after church, and Dave, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know what the preacher preached about that day. I had some other things on my mind, if you understand. Right? I ran down, tore off my robe, hung it up, and ran out to try to find this girl, and she was gone. She had disappeared. I was like, did I just envision her? Did God just send a vision? And she wasn't real? Right? But so, everybody, it was my mission in life from that moment on to find that girl. And I, it was eight weeks of stalking, I mean searching the campus for this woman. And everybody, I finally see her 
coming out of a lecture hall that I didn't have a class in my entire time at Eastern Illinois University. She's coming out. I'm walking in. She don't know that I'm looking for her. That's the only reason I'm going in that building. And y'all, eight weeks of anticipation bubbled up. I didn't even know I was do- what I was doing. I grabbed her. I-, I had only seen her one time for like 60 seconds and shook her hand real quick before I jumped back in the choir. And, 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 and I pick her up off her feet and was like, hey, how you doing? Shaking up. She's like, I don't even know who you are. I'm fine. What are you doing? I'm fired up. Let me walk in class, you know. And everybody, I've been stalking her ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody, I share that with you because that's, that's my wife's favorite story, by the way. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that they don't know the context of why I was the way I was before I saw her for the first time. And the context is four years earlier, everybody, I prayed for my wife. Before I ever knew her name, before I ever knew what she looked like, I prayed for her. And this is specifically important for all of my middle school students, all my high school students, all my college students. I want you to catch this part of the message because I was only 15 years old when I made this prayer. And as a 15-year-old, Bree, you know, I don't, you know, you're still kind of learning how to pray. You're kind of getting the hang of prayer and all that kind of stuff. And so as a 15-year-old, I was a very naive prayer. So my prayer sounded like this. It was like, uh, now, Jesus, you know I'm going to the NFL. I'm glad some of y'all caught that. I bet Jesus in heaven, oh, you're going to the NFL, huh? That's cute. That's nice. Yeah. But all of the stories that I tell you today, everybody, are mostly true. No, no, but this is true. This is true. This is true. And so, everybody, I told Jesus, I said, uh, I'm going to the NFL. This is true. And then what I said was, and I want to meet my wife, Lord, before I go pro. I want a woman who loves me for who I am, not because of what I do and what I have. And I was very specific. I was like, Lord, and I wanted to be about five foot. And I wanted to have light skin. And I wanted to have long hair. And I wanted to be fellas, you know, I was, you know, 24, 36, 36, 24, 30. I, I did all that. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody, this is what I recognize, everybody. As a 15-year-old, I didn't understand that makes more sense to me now if I had to change anything that I prayed, Breed, this is what I would have said. I would have said, Lord, now this is what I want based upon what I know as a 15-year-old. This is all I know. And so, God, as I'm praying for what I want, would you please not only give me what I want, but also give me what I need? Amen. And that takes it to a whole other level of maturity and contentment when you can be satisfied, not only with what you think you want based upon what you see, but what you need based upon what God knows about you. Because how many of y'all know, uh, sometimes what we need ain't always what we want. I know that at this stage of my life, I need to be eating some things differently, like some beets and, you know, more carrots and, you know, more avocado. Uh, right? I'm not real crazy about that stuff. It ain't what I want, but I know it's what I... I understand in this season of my life, I got to be going to the doctor a little bit more. You know, I got to get some stuff checked. Like I got to get my prostate. Ugh, what is that, you know? I got to get that colonoscopy, all that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily what I want, but I know it's what I... 
I also know that every now and then I need somebody to step to me and say, you know what, Ray, that's the dumbest thing I ever seen in my life. And if you ever say something like that in the church, they're going to put you out and lock the door and never let you back in. That's not always what I want to hear, but sometimes it is definitely what I, and can I tell you something, just piggybacking off of this, God was so good. He not only gave me what I wanted in a woman, but he gave me what I need. And we're going to celebrate 28 years of marriage in four months. Yeah. She is a blessing and a gift to my life. And uh, I just really, you know, I appreciate you and love you, baby, so much. Uh, God gave me not what I wanted, but what I needed. And, and I love everybody what Paul says in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Watch this. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. And everybody, I just shared that story with you. And it's easy to be content when you get what you pray for, what you work for, what, you, what you've been hoping for, right? What about when it doesn't work out that way? What about when your dreams are dashed? What about when you prayed about something and you're disappointed because God doesn't answer your prayer the way you want him to answer it? What do you do then? Everybody, most of you guys know one of the major reasons uh, why I'm here, how God used a, a situation, a circumstance in my life to get here was the death of my father. You guys, many, many of you remember my father, my hero. He's the most influential man in my life. My father was the best man in my wedding. My father, he was the guy who I talked about sports with. My sports dreams became alive because of our cohesion and our connection with dad. Uh, my father had lung cancer. And he um, was a chain smoker for most of his young adult life, moving up through till I was about maybe 10, 11 years old. And then one day he decided, I'm shutting this thing down, this terrible habit, uh, and I'm stopping cold turkey. And he did, and did a great job for like 20, 30 years. Never had a smoke. I rarely saw him have a drink, if at all. Lived very clean, very healthy. I thought he was going to be good until... He went to the doctor one day after feeling some symptoms and some stuff, and they found lung cancer uh, in him. Well, we're like, not a big deal. Uh, we serve a God that can perform miracles. We've seen him perform miracles in our own life personally. This will just be another thing that he does. He's going to work this miracle for your benefit, and we're going to pray. And I organized a weekly prayer call, and we had a conference call, and everybody, for every Sunday night, we would get together, we'd call in, and we'd pray for my father. Everybody, I fasted and prayed, lost over 20 pounds fasting. Believing God for a miracle that he was going to heal my dad. My father's prayer request, everybody, is I want to be here. And he told uh, all of my girls this. He said, I want to be here to see each and every one of you guys walk down the aisle in marriage. And when he said that, I was like, no way God's not going to honor that request. That is a God-honoring prayer request. He's going to honor it. God, uh, my father's going to be here. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And we're going to believe God. And five months later, he was gone. And I was devastated. Honestly, I didn't know how to handle it. My daughter, my second youngest daughter, struggled in her faith because of it. We had to kind of walk with her through that process. And she's still kind of unpacking some things regarding that. Right? It's a real thing. And everybody, what I had to come to grips with is, listen, it isn't always about what I want. And where I want to be in this life, it is about what he wants 
uh, out of my life? And can I be content and be at peace with whatever season and wherever season that may be? That is the challenge, everybody. And so when I recognize that, I, I always say I'm grateful to Dave Clark and Eric Henry and the staff here at Central Christian Church. Because when I showed up, that was fresh. I mean, it was like just a few weeks after he had passed away, and I was here talking about it. And then I signed on as associate pastor here at Central Christian Church just a few weeks later after that, and I had these guys to lean on and walk through and work through that situation with everybody. Uh, But can I tell you something? There were three major things because I didn't quit, because I didn't turn my back on God, because I didn't look at myself and be like, well, why me? And is this God really real? And why wouldn't he honor a request like that? There were three major blessings, everybody, that came out of that because I had enough uh, uh, fortitude to allow myself to be content in this series, uh, in, in, in that season of my life. Here's the first one. The first one was transformation. Somebody say transformation. transformation. Everybody, the transformation was my wife got to see a side of me that I don't even think she knew I could possibly uh, 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 demonstrate until my father went through that season. She watched me care for that man, feed him because he couldn't feed himself, change him, had to do that, Uh, uh, literally pick him up physically and take him to the bathroom because he didn't have the strength to do that, spend the night with him, love on him in a way that was just so beautiful and that communicated to her, wow, number one, I married the right one. And number two, I know that if I ever get to a place to where I needed my husband to care for me that way, that he has the capacity to do that because of what I've seen him do with his dad. Transformation. It transformed my life. Took me to a whole other level of maturity in my spiritual walk and in how I love people. So number one, transformation. Say transformation. But number two, affirmation. Say affirmation. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to tell a person that you love them. It's another thing, everybody, uh, when that person that you say you love cannot do anything for you in return. It's easy. When you give something to somebody and you know you're going to get that right back, that's not necessarily love. That's a transaction. Love is sacrificial. Love is, I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to bless you. And it doesn't matter if I don't get anything back in return. It's not about what I get. It's all about what I can give. That's the motivation, right? And see, it's so important that my father received that because you guys may not recognize, but my dad did not know his dad. And so I'm sure there was some doubts in his mind, Elder, about did I do a good job? Was I a good father? Did I really serve? Did I really do what I needed to do while I was here? Did I have enough time to really have the impact that I needed to have? And what he got to see before he passed away, Jake, was not only his kids stepping up on his behalf, being there, taking shifts, serving him, but other people signing up, Miriam, driving him to the hospital, bringing food over, uh, community members, neighbors, friends, people from out of town when they heard about him uh, being really, really sick, showing up. Our house was very rarely ever empty. And it was an amazing thing and very affirming for him that when he left here, number one, he knew that he was the man that he was supposed to be. And number two, that he truly loved the way Jesus taught us how to love because that love was being reciprocated right back to him. Transformation. Affirmation. Here's the third one. Uh, The third one is, let me pull up my notes. 
Yeah. A greater connection. Somebody say greater connection. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it caused me as I was losing my earthly father to be that much more connected to my heavenly father. I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody, but have you ever been in a situation where you lost somebody and you knew they were gone, but it still hadn't quite clicked yet? Yeah. Been there. Been there, bro. And you know, it was a year. You hear me? He was gone for a year. And I was driving up to Central for work on my way up for church on Sunday. It was about 6.30 in the morning, and I was listening to worship music, and I just had this funny thought. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. I'm about to call my dad, and I'm a... And it just... He'd been dead for a year. And I was like, oh, my gosh. My father is dead, and he is not coming back. And when it hit me that way, even a year later, everybody... I almost lost my stuff driving up here. I thought I was going to have to pull over. And in that moment, everybody, the Holy Spirit spoke in my ear and whispered and said this. He said, Ray, I'm your father now. Now, everybody in this room, we understand that intellectually, right? But it's a whole nother thing. It takes it to a whole nother level when you have to walk through that literally. It takes it to a whole nother level, everybody, for us to recognize that Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. Yeah. I didn't have my earthly father anymore. But he wanted to make sure I knew you still got your heavenly father. And even though he's gone, son, please know I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be here. And I got an amazing plan for your life in this season of your life. And all you got to do is not be bitter or upset that it didn't quite work out the way you wanted it to work out. But know that I got a plan. And know that if you can be at peace and content, and whatever the situation you may be facing, you can get through even this. I think that's what Paul was saying as I close this. When he talks about, I've learned the, 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 can we put that up one more time? He said, I've learned the secret of being content. And what was the secret? Everybody, you know what the secret was? The secret was, you got to understand when Paul was writing this, Paul was in prison. He wasn't in church on a Sunday at 1030 with a Sunday best on preaching to a bunch of amazing people that love Jesus. He was writing this with his hands and feet shackled. I'm talking underneath the jail. He was public enemy number one to the Roman Empire. What he was preaching was threatening to overthrow their entire way of doing business. They're like, oh, we can't have this. He was that dude that was treated cruelly. He probably was being mistreated by the guards. And in spite of all of that pain, despite of all of that drama, despite of all of that comfort, he had the audacity to say that I have learned the secret of being content. Are y'all seeing this? And what was the secret? 
I think the secret was, was two things, Elder. I think the secret, number one, was he recognized that, you know what, despite how painful, harmful, and, 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 and hurtful this present situation is that I'm dealing with right now, nothing is more hurtful and harmful than spending eternity apart from Jesus Christ. I think he recognized that, number one. And I think he also recognized that because of what Jesus did on the cross for our sin, paid the price that we should have paid. Because of him, we have the ability to go through and accomplish anything we may be facing. Here's the second point. The Bible says, uh, one more time, Shannon, Philippians 4.13, please. Go to the next verse. He says, and we know it, what is it? I can do all things, not that one. Yeah, we don't want that one. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And you know what I discovered, everybody? Uh, in order to go through somebody, you got to be with somebody. <laughs> I said in order to go through somebody, you got to be with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Is that making sense? In other words, everybody, stuff can be really difficult, but as long as Christ is with us, there isn't anything that we cannot accomplish. And so if, as I leave you, y'all, I know maybe some folks here, you may be in a season where this is really, really difficult. Maybe you've been believing God for some stuff. You've been believing God for some miracles. You've been believing God for some healing. You've been believing God for some relief of pain. You've been believing God uh, for restitution in your finances. You've been believing God for that life partner that you've been waiting for for years and years and years. Maybe you've been believing God for some stuff. And, and I think the question that he's looking to see if you can answer is, despite where you are right now, can you be at peace and content with where I have you in this season. Knowing that whatever that looks like, as long as I'm with you, you can go through this and it's going to be okay. Because I'm with you. You may be feeling lonely right now like I'm sure Paul was, but you're not alone because Jesus is with you. You may feel abandoned and things not be working out right now, but can I tell you something? It's just temporary because Jesus is with you. And if he's with you, he gives us the strength to go through it the way we need to. And when we do that, not only are we blessed on the back end, but ultimately he gets glory. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for helping us see the true context of what Philippians 4.13 means. It is a powerful, powerful verse. And Lord, we want to be those people who can have peace and contentment in whatever season of life we find ourselves in. Now, God, you invite us to share with you and share uh, what our heart's desire is. You tell us we can bring our prayer request to you. And I want to make sure that is clear for the people. We can ask you for what we want. You invite us to ask you for what we want. But God, give us the maturity and the contentment in our prayer life to not only ask you for what we want, but to also say to you, God, we also want the wisdom for you to provide for us what we need.
And sometimes what we need isn't necessarily what we want. But it's amazing how when you're behind it and when you're with us, you allow us to experience things and grow up in areas and be transformed in spaces and places in our life that wouldn't have been possible if we didn't go through that thing that we didn't want to go through. And that's how you get glory in and through us. So help us to be that. Mature, peaceful, contented Christians, knowing that it could be a whole lot worse. But God, because you're with us, we can accomplish and go through anything. We love you. We thank you. We need you. And we pray to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And I love y'all. In Jesus' name, we pray and let everybody say, amen. God bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.